Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be back here. It's great to have you back here as well. We're going to have another episode here, another short-form episode, as we begin to work back into the regular schedule and get back into the letters away from the best-of episodes and into uh, brand-new episodes. On this one here, we're going to talk about Memorial Day in part. This is going to be my Memorial Day episode, because whenever one of these holidays comes around where we are meant to remember the soldiers who have fought for the United States of America. I guess, honestly, I should say, you know, the soldiers who fought from the United States of America, because, you know, the thing about United States troops is we haven't just fought for the United States of America. It may seem that way to some people, but that's definitely not the truth. The United States has sent soldiers to fight for other people as well. And I've talked about a few of those or mentioned them at various times throughout this podcast as it uh, as examples, you know, whenever I feel like I want to pull an example out of history to make a comparison as it relates to the Revolutionary War or something like that, or just to uh, speak speak a little bit about how the United States works, uh, this thing that the Founding Fathers built, I'll mention things like the Korean War. And that was a war where you, you might say that the United States was fighting for United States interests, but it was... Even more than that, it was fighting for the South Korean people and that country so that it could be free. And yes, the United States had a very definite interest in that. It doesn't It doesn't benefit the United States of America to have the entire Korean Peninsula communist and suffering underneath the tyranny of that lunatic up in the north. There are the various lunatics as they've come down through through the uh, through the years. Uh, it benefits the United States have to have a free people in South Korea because when free people engage and do business together, the world is a better place. And I, I think we can all say that the, the the troops that fought in Korea did make the world a better place, and it was a it was a worthwhile sacrifice. There's millions and millions. Millions, tens of millions of people in South Korea that are free today uh, because of it. it. It wasn't a worthless sacrifice by any stretch of the imagination. And there's 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 several examples of that throughout the history of the United States. And in, on Memorial Day, we're supposed to remember that. And we got Memorial Day coming up here next week. Uh, from the perspective of this this episode of the podcast, obviously, if you're listening to this episode out of order or sometime in the future. That may not be the case, but as of the recording of this episode, Memorial Day is coming up here next week. And for those of you overseas, I don't know if your country has something similar to Memorial Day. I imagine you do. There's quite a few countries around the world that like to take a day, to take a moment, and remember soldiers who have fought for for the, the various countries. And there's a lot of really good countries out there that have also fought in wars for for other countries. I, I think I've mentioned in passing before the Gulf War in 91. There were a lot of countries involved with that. Uh, Great Britain was involved with that. France was involved with that. Uh, believe it or not, countries like Syria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, of course, were involved with that, and others. Forgive me if I left your country out. But um, And that, that coalition was largely made possible by the United States, but a great contribution by many countries. Uh, so if you happen to hail from any one of those countries... Uh, that were involved in the, the Gulf War, which was really just a war to protect both, well, to restore the nation of Kuwait and to defend the uh, the country of Saudi Arabia from invasion by the uh, the tyrant up north of them. 
Uh, a big thank you to you, whoever you are, uh, in whatever country you may be from that may have participated in that. Uh, that was a that was a good endeavor. I always thought that was a fairly righteous endeavor on the part of the world to try to uh, do the right thing. Some people called that a war for oil, and that's all it was, you know, but that's not entirely what it was about. Uh, and by the way, there's really nothing wrong with fighting wars to secure the world's resources and to keep them away from tyrants who will use those resources to bludgeon the rest of the world over the head. Uh, that's not a positive thing. So this 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 weird thing that we have in this country, the United States, that is, where we, we complain about wars for oil or something like that, really need to get off your high horse and quit, um, quit living in fantasy land because that's not the way the real world works. Uh, wars for resources are sometimes necessary if it involves keeping them out of the hands of tyrants. But yes, we're going to talk a little bit about Memorial Day generally and how it relates more specifically to the Revolutionary War. We oftentimes on Memorial Day, for those of us who do remember the, the, the various wars that this country's fought on Memorial Day and the soldiers who fought there, a lot of times we'll remember very easily the, the wars that are most recently fought. Perhaps the Gulf War in 91. There's a lot of veterans, uh, obviously still around from that war. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, I can remember, I can remember the Gulf War. I was a kid at the time. I was very young, but I can remember it. And then of course the, the later wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And of course, uh, many people remember the Vietnam War. A lot of veterans still, still, alive from their service in Vietnam, uh, thank goodness, that's a, that was a, a really good group of guys for the most part. The, the Vietnam veterans are just a solid group of folks. Uh, very incredible group of people. I, it's hard for me to articulate my appreciation for the Vietnam veterans. It was just, um, they did a very difficult thing that wasn't popular, and some of them went voluntarily, and some of them didn't want to go. They were drafted. But they went anyway because the country told them it was the right thing to do, and they tried to do the right thing. They tried to do the job as best they could according to the orders that they were given. And they did a, they did a darn good job uh, for what they had and for the support that they were given. And they, they tried to do the best with what they had. I really appreciate the effort, the example that they set, uh, trying to do the right thing. Despite the, the problems, obviously, from the political end of things and the top brass, who, who frankly speaking, in, in some cases, in my humble opinion, didn't give crap about the soldier on the ground. Uh, people like, um, well, I don't want to name names. I'm going to start to, I'm going to, I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers if I start to name names, uh, during that war. So I'll, I'll refrain from doing so. But, but let's just say, you know, I, I have a problem with some of the top brass in that war. That, that war was very problematic at the, at the top end. Not, not as far as a soldier on the ground is concerned. You know, with few exceptions, there's always some bad apples in there. But for the most part, those soldiers on the ground just did what they were told to do. And they did a darn good job of it, too. It's harder, it's harder for us to remember the soldiers that aren't around anymore. They're not alive anymore, like from the Revolutionary War. Because they're, they're so, it was so long ago. And it's hard to remember. But the, these guys, you know, and I, I have in previous episodes referred to that generation as the greatest generation. And for good reason. You know, they they had such adversity. Adversity like the World War II generation, frankly speaking, just did not have. You know, the World War II generation had an entire nation of, you know, more than 100 million people behind them uh, and determined. And they had all the resources that we had available to uh, to get them through that war. It wasn't always perfectly delivered. Sometimes the troops had to go without any resources resources in combat. It seemed, you know, they were they were short on supplies and and other things, but you know, the folks in the revolutionary war at times had had nothing. I mean, they had to fight that war, you know, on a shoestring, and the economy was complete crap. Um I mean, we talk about inflation today, 
you know, it's nothing like what inflation was during the Revolutionary War. Uh, during the Revolutionary War, there, there, obviously, you know, a brand new country needs brand new currency. And one of the currencies that were issued at the time was a, a currency called the Continental, which makes sense. You know, the Continental Army, Continental Currency, right? Well, that currency, you know, eventually went completely to crap. I mean, it was worthless. I think counterfeiting was a big problem with that. The British were... Uh, they fought a war on multiple fronts against the United States. It wasn't just a military conflict. These people were very sharp. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, people in the United States during that war, they squared off with an army that knew what it's do knew what it was doing. Now, there's a big difference between going out and fighting a group of people who have no idea what they're doing and going out and fighting a group of people who know exactly what they're doing. They're professional soldiers. And not just that, it's a professional military with professional infrastructure. And they 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 went to, they went economic warfare against the United States as well, not just militarily. They declared war economically on the United States. Counterfeiting, as I understand it, was a big part of that. Trying to undermine U.S. currency, U.S. resources, the ability of the United States to be able to procure assets to fight the war. Uh, there's a reason why that war dragged out for as long as it did, and why it was so hard. The United States was just under constant attack by the British Empire from every aspect you can possibly imagine on land and sea economically. And that's that's something like, you know, like I said, the World War II generation didn't have to put up with that crap. Um, they, had, they had one heck of a fight on their hands, don't get me wrong, but the economic warfare aspect of it, they didn't have to, they didn't have to deal with that. And the United States didn't have to deal with it, not really. Uh, as far as the economic warfare goes, the, uh, the United States and the British Empire fairly well ran the tables as far as economic warfare goes. And that's a good thing, I'm glad for that. And I'm not trying to diminish the sacrifice of the World War II generation at all. Don't think I am. I'm just trying to make a point. The people who fought the Revolutionary War, the hardships that they endured between marching barefoot in the snow, falling out of line, just dying from exposure, you know, in some cases, lots of them, several soldiers at a time dying from exposure because they just had nothing in, in the middle of winter, uh, dying from dysentery and other things. And then the, uh, the economics of the situation, the lack of military supplies, um... The fact that you had an invading army camped out quite literally in your, not just your backyard, but your front yard. Uh, New York was occupied, uh, amongst other places. Uh, the British Empire was at various times trying to cut the United States into, into, into pieces, trying to, trying to segment it so that it could isolate and kill various sections of the United States. It's just a different kind of war. Than, than World War II was very different, and uh, I certainly appreciate the veterans who uh, fought World War II because that was not an easy war to fight. It was two fronts, especially in the Pacific. I mean, you're talking about that island hopping campaign; it's an absolute nightmare, just a disaster from a logistical point of view. So it was it was only through the miracle genius of logisticians and the innovation of the United States that that war could even be prosecuted over such a vast distance of ocean, and the, the tenacity of the the United States soldier, the Marines, the sailors and airmen that were able to pull that off. It really is quite an amazing accomplishment, um, unequaled in the history of the world. But the, uh, the individual hardship of each individual soldier in the Revolutionary War was quite extreme. Uh, extreme like, like soldiers, I don't think, in, in any, any, any United States Army have ever had to face uh, since. And it was, um, like I said, these guys, and these guys did it with no real reason to believe they could do it which is very different from any other war the United States has ever fought. Every other war the United States has ever fought, we had good reason to believe we could win, for, for any number of reasons, really. But in the Revolutionary War, what good reason can you point to to say that these guys, these guys could really believe that they were going to win? Against the British Empire? Against the full might of the British Empire? With troops on American soil? 
I mean, sure, there were people who believed that they could win, but what reason did they have to believe, to, to believe that they could win? Uh, it was really um, just pure dedication to the cause, to the cause of liberty. That's that's really all that drove them, I think, at times. You know, live free or die, like Patrick Henry would say. Give me liberty or give me death. I, I think sometimes there were many of the Founding Fathers that were fine with losing that war, but they weren't going to lose that war sitting down. If they're going to lose the war, they're going to win. They're going to lose the war on their feet, getting shot at and shooting back. And if you want to know what it takes for a country to be free, that's it. It doesn't happen easily. It doesn't get delivered to you on a silver platter. You know, there, there's people in other parts of the world today, in, in modern times, and, and honestly throughout history, that that really do expect freedom, liberty, and things of that nature to really just come for free, to just you know be delivered to your front door. And it doesn't happen that way. Oftentimes, many people have to die. And sometimes by the tens of thousands, like the uh, like the Revolutionary War and most of the wars since then, and some and some wars that the United States has fought by the hundreds of thousands, and in the aggregate, you know, all the wars combined in the millions. That's really the price of freedom at the end of the day. And no, it doesn't it doesn't get delivered to you on a silver platter. It's not going to happen. So be grateful there are people who are willing to make that sacrifice. And the Revolutionary War was no exception to that. There were a great many people willing to make that sacrifice. I mean, imagine, you know, and I, I say these people, you know, at times have to walk barefoot through the snow. I'm not exaggerating. That's kind of an old joke in the United States. Parents used to tell their children or grandparents used to tell their grandchildren how hard they had it when they were a kid. You know, they would tell stories like, you know, when I was a kid, when I walked uh, when I walked to school, we didn't have a bus. I had to walk to school and I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow barefoot. Uh, it's kind of an old joke. But in the case of the Revolutionary War, it's a very serious story. Um, the lack of supplies that these guys had to deal with was just seemingly it's just so daunting and insurmountable. But uh, they went ahead and did it. Uh, they went out and marched barefoot in the snow in some cases and marched barefoot and crossed dirt and rocks in other cases because some of them just didn't have supplies to, to put boots on their feet. That's the price of freedom. And I've mentioned before, this is a very controversial thing to say. As, as you may have noticed in some episodes previous, I, I don't, I frankly speaking, don't give a crap. Uh, if it's uh, if it's controversial, sometimes you know, when it comes to naming names like being modern political, of course, I'm not going to cross that line because I, I made a I made a, a commitment to not do that. But um, certain other things, historical, controversial or societal, controversial, I don't I don't really care. I'll say it if it needs to be said. And I'm going to say it. There are people who, you know, there's been many people who come to the United States for the freedom and liberty that the, that the United States offers. Uh, they come here as immigrants to, I don't, it's hard, it, some people might take this the wrong way, but to take advantage of the freedom and liberty that we have. And when I say take advantage, I don't mean it in a negative context. I mean to just uh, get access to it, get access to the freedom and liberty that we have. Because it's easier to come to the United States and get it here where the price has already been paid. The people have already died. The people have already been shot at in droves. The people have been tortured and murdered uh, by a, a British military or others. Uh, it's easy to come in and take advantage of the freedom and liberty that we have here because the price has already been paid for it, at least up to this point. The price is never paid in full. It just it goes on and on forever. We've talked about that. And it's because people don't want to pay that price in the country they're coming from. They're not willing to stand up and get shot at. They're not willing to stand up in a field against a professional military that knows what they're doing and get shot at by that military and shoot back. They don't want to pay that price, so they come here. Now, I don't have a problem with that on the one hand, but with a certain caveat. In other words, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to come to the United States and take advantage of the freedom and liberty here, you better darn well appreciate the price that was paid for it, and you better understand it. Does that make sense? 
In other words, you better understand the history of the United States, understand the sacrifice that was that was given so that we could be free here and not just come here and take advantage of the freedom and liberty and not give a passing thought to the price that was paid for it and not understand it. And that's the that's where the study of history comes into play. People who come to the United States uh, and take advantage of uh, the sacrifice of the soldiers, the families of the soldiers, uh, and all the rest who have paid some price for freedom and liberty here, they really need to study history like we like we should here in the United States. And believe me, the people who are born here in the United States got a severe problem with this, too. We've talked about that. You know, the study of history is really a lost art in the United States. It's a back burner subject in the public schools. The public schools are busy teaching a lot of sometimes good things, math, science, reading. There's a lot of good stuff that gets taught in school, but there's also a big, huge pile of garbage crap that gets taught in the public school system in the United States. And while they're teaching that garbage crap, they're not teaching history like they should. And I'm not just talking about the history of the United States. I'm talking about all history, history of the Roman Empire, history of the Greeks, history of the Persians, history of Babylon, history of the Egyptians, uh, the history of the Japanese Empire. I mean, the list goes on. All of that history should be taught, but it's not, except, you know, a few little things here and there. I mean, it gets some little, you know, we, we learn about, you know, oh, we learn a little bit about the Revolutionary War. We learn a little bit about World War II, maybe, although I read an article not long ago that suggested that, at least in some curriculum in the United States, history of World War II is really only taught starting from the dropping of the atomic bomb uh, in Japan, and nothing else is discussed. That's it. They just talk about the big bad United States dropping the atom bomb and how terrible that was, and then they move on with their day. Well, that's kind of an incomplete history, don't you think? See, that's the problem that we face. And, you know, people in the United States who are born here need to study the history so they can appreciate the sacrifice of soldiers on, on a day like Memorial Day, especially. I mean, really should take more than just Memorial Day to appreciate that. Independence Day is a good day to take to remember that. Uh, Veterans Day in November is a good day to set aside to remember that as well. There's multiple opportunities for this. It's, it's really a, it's really a combo, you know, of, United States citizens not learning this history, but also people who immigrate here not learning the history either. I mean, if you're going to come to a country, you better darn well understand its history and appreciate it in some regard. Otherwise, probably don't show up here. And so again, some people might think that's controversial, like, oh my gosh, Roman, what are you criticizing immigrants for who come to this country? They can come here if they want to, and they can live their lives. They don't have to study history and blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. I don't agree with that. I think they should. I think they should study that history. Why? Because... It's the right thing to do. Uh, it's the only way you're going to understand why this country is the way that it is. You know, that freedom that you have when you walk out your front door in the morning and you get to just kind of go to work and not be bothered or whatever it is. And some people might say, well, when I go to work, I do get bothered. Yeah, sure you do. We all do. But you know what I mean. Uh, that, that kind of freedom and liberty that you have or the freedom and liberty to say what you want to say. You know, that First Amendment that we've talked about that the Founding Fathers put in that Constitution. The freedom to do that. If you're going to appreciate that, better darn well study that history. And like I said, you know, both immigrants to this country and citizens who are born here have a big problem doing that, which is why, again, I do this podcast, because I know that the public school system sure as heck is not going to go in-depth into the Founding Fathers and their writings, their thoughts, their ideas. So I, I put a podcast together that goes very in-depth into that into that particular topic. I mean, we've only, like I said, I mean, on this podcast, this is going to be episode 59, I believe. And we've only just barely, barely scratched the surface of all the things that we're going to talk about on this podcast. Just barely. There is not a college course or high school curriculum that's that's ever going to begin to approach the the depth and the breadth of this particular podcast. 
So it's a fantastic opportunity here. And there's other podcasts as well that, that cover American history and world history uh, that are that are useful as well. Some 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 podcasts that, that cover history honestly are crap. Uh, I've listened to a few of them that are that are garbage. I, I usually don't stick around long. I usually listen to a few episodes and then I'm done with those. But there are others that are actually pretty doggone good. And I think those of us who do these podcasts, we do it so that we can try to improve the situation. We can make it easier for people to study history because, I mean, it's taken me good grief. I don't know how many. I mean, like I said, I've been studying history in one form or another since I was almost in single digits. That is to say, I was under the age of 10. Uh, in various ways, I've been trying to study history since then. And it's taken me decades to amass the knowledge of history that, that I have to be able to just kind of talk about this freely on a podcast. Most people don't have that kind of time, I would suspect, because they got other things going on. It's not their passion. For me, it's my passion. Uh, like I said, this podcast is a, a podcast for... Um, those who the study of history is a way of life on the one hand, but it's also for people who want to get access to this material without having to spend the time. And believe me, I understand there's nothing wrong with that. I believe there should be a way for people to have easy access to this stuff so they don't have to spend several hours trying to track down a few letters from the founding fathers. Instead, you can get it just listen to a podcast for 30 minutes. And that's a that's a heck of a lot better use of your time. And you can get a, you listen to a few hours of this podcast, you can get many letters from the founding fathers with uh, some context provided and a little bit of analysis provided as well. Uh, something to help get you thinking uh, about what's really going on. Uh, but the study of history, I think, is very important to, un to, to being able to appreciate a day like Memorial Day. That's why I'm talking about the study of history now on the Memorial Day episode of this podcast, because I, I, I couldn't possibly appreciate Memorial Day and the sacrifices that were made by soldiers who fought for the United States if I didn't have a very good knowledge of history. Because if you, if you, how can you appreciate what the soldiers did if you don't know what they did? If you don't know the things that they went through uh, as much as possible from the in some cases, we're lucky enough to have the voices of the veterans speak to us uh, in interviews and documentaries and things of that nature, and sometimes live in person right in front of us uh, talk about uh, the wars that have been fought by the United States and and what was really going on in their mind. Uh, why did they why did they why did they serve? Why did their friends serve? Who were they? I, I eat that kind of stuff up. I, I, I like listening to the World War II veterans talk about what it was really like for them. What, did, what, did, what were they really doing there? What did they believe in? What did they fight for? What did they, what did they do when they get back? What did they think about when they, uh, when they were over there? What did they want to do when they got back? I, you know, I have some, um, I had an uncle who was in Vietnam. And I have some of the letters that he wrote back from when he was over there. And they're very interesting letters because they're written on this kind of stationery that they had over there in Vietnam. And it, it's, uh, it has a, an image of the country of Vietnam on it and then a picture of uh, the American fleet off the coast or something of that nature. I'd have to go back and look at it again, but it's very interesting. Just the state, just the paper it was written on is very interesting. Um, there's a story in that. Uh, but the letters themselves at times are really just... Uh, questions about what was going on back in the States while he was over there. What was the family doing? How are things going? Uh, plans, thoughts that he had when he got back. And he did make it back, thank goodness. Um, a lot of those folks did not, but um, thank goodness most of them did. But to really appreciate, again, what uh, somebody like he went through, it really takes a study of, and in his case, the Vietnam War. Uh, if you want to appreciate what the Vietnam veterans did, their service— the honor, the integrity, 
that they had, you have to study that war. Not com- You don't have to know everything. Nobody can know everything, by the way. Uh, the folks who are there don't know everything. But a little bit of study here. You know, when did the war start? When did it end? Uh, what happened? You know, what, what, what's a little bit of what happened in between? And why was it, um, why was it such a difficult war? Why did it go on for so long? What's the, what's the story with that? And what's the story with, um, you know, things like in Vietnam, like the Tet Offensive? What's the story there? And how did that, how did it, how did it begin? How did it end? And how did that affect the attitude of people back in the United States and so on and so forth? Just basics. Basics, basics, basics. And with the Revolutionary War, like we study on this podcast, uh, again, this is not a podcast specifically about the Revolutionary War, but obviously that's going to be a huge discussion on this podcast because of the, the letters and the time frame. But to appreciate the Revolutionary War, you, you really, and the, what the veterans did in the Revolutionary War, and think about these veterans, you know, the, the very first veterans, uh, in other words, the very first people to serve in combat for the United States in that war, they really did serve before the Declaration of Independence was signed, before the United States was officially the United States. And it was those men in the countryside of Massachusetts who engaged the British military that marched out from Boston. Those were the first veterans of the United States, and they weren't regular soldiers. They were just farmers and shopkeepers. That's it. But I consider them to be veterans as well. They didn't wear a uniform. The vast majority of them probably ne- probably never put on a uniform. Some of them joined the regular army, served in the Continental Army. Some of them just stayed militia, and some of them just stayed farmers and shopkeepers. And they um, they just left their house one day. They heard the British were coming. They 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 said goodbye to their wife and kids if they if they had them, or in some cases they said goodbye to their parents. They grabbed their rifle and they just went out into the country and they engaged the British military. That's that's doing something right there. That takes some uh, some courage and bravery, if ever I saw any. That and that's the traditional American veteran right there. And it doesn't have to be somebody who wore a uniform. It doesn't have to be somebody who signed papers. Sometimes it's just the well-regulated militia, that thing that's talked about in the United States. And what is the well-regulated militia against? The common man. It's the regular guy. It's the shopkeeper. It's the farmer who has a rifle hanging on the wall. And when the British army comes, or whatever invading army, grabs the rifle off the wall and heads out into the field and engages that that military and hopefully wins. And they did that day. They chased that British column all the way back to Boston. They had that British column on the run. Regular farmers and shopkeepers. Those are veterans of the United States of America. And those are the kind of people we remember on Memorial Day. But yeah, understand that. Uh, and that that's a big part of understanding the Revolutionary War. It wasn't just regular soldiers that served in that war and fought. And to appreciate their sacrifice, you have to know who they were on some basic level. Not by name, but just understand the kind of person that fought in that war. So it wasn't just regular soldiers. Not at all. And you know, the things that we talk about in this uh, this podcast, why did the Revolutionary War get started? There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. And if there's misunderstanding, it, it becomes very difficult to appreciate those veterans and those people that served, you know, on a day like Memorial Day or Veterans Day or whenever. You know, if you think that the Founding Fathers were just a bunch of rich farmers, plantation owners, who uh, had the United States handed to them on a silver platter so that they can continue being rich and living high on the hog. That's that's often the picture that's painted about the Founding Fathers, but that couldn't be any more untrue. Not at all. We've talked about that. These people didn't have it handed to them on a silver platter. They didn't live high on the hog in most cases. And a great many of these people died. They didn't get to live to see the freedom that they were fighting for. Think about that. Which is very different than every other veteran who ever fought for the United States. Every other veteran who fought for the United States, for the most part, I'm sure there's bound to be an exception in there somewhere in the case of um, somebody who was... Uh, perhaps an immigrant to the United States and just went straight into the military, perhaps. But with rare exception, the the Founding Fathers were those that died in that war. They never lived to really see the full realization of the United States of America. Not really. 
And that's very unique because all the other veterans of all the other wars, they, they lived in the United States prior to going to war, typically. And they got to enjoy that freedom and that liberty for at least a time before they went off and they fought and perhaps died. But the uh, that founding generation had it much more difficult. Some of those folks never saw it, and they, they never lived to know that the United States was going to survive. Uh, for all they knew, the United States was going to get trampled over by the British Empire and just stamped out. And they died not knowing, not knowing what was really going to happen, and not knowing whether their wives or children were going to be free. They just didn't know. And I imagine that. I imagine the soldier on the battlefield getting shot, mortally wounded, and lying there looking up at the sky, thinking of his family worried, worried perhaps that they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to live free, that maybe he didn't do a good enough job, that he's not going to be able to sacrifice anymore to make sure that that happens. But of course, what that, what that veteran may not have understood was that he did do a good enough job. He did do his job, and he did it well. And because he did what he did, his family did get to live free, most likely. If he had a wife and kids, they, they lived to see the United States of America. And I wish that every veteran who fought in the Revolutionary War and died would have would have died knowing that, at least, that their sacrifice was worth it. They did the right thing, and they did it well. And because of them, hundreds of millions of people have been able to benefit from the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and the Bill of Rights. That's a big deal. Most people in their in their lives will never accomplish something great like that. They just they never will. And that's not because they're they're not as good as those people were, or bad people, or anything. It's just it's it's a it's 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 about you know opportunity, time, timing, um, where you're at, the right place at the right time, I guess, and being able to stand up when you're called. But those guys did a heck of a thing during the the Revolutionary War. They did a heck of a thing, and I don't feel like it's fully appreciated in our time. And I know that because you know we've talked about recently the various attacks that the First Amendment undergoes. The people who attacked the First Amendment to the United States either don't have the first clue what those veterans in the Revolutionary War went through, or they don't care. In either case, they are either uneducated or some of the worst human beings to ever walk the face of the earth. And I, I choose those words very specifically. Because if you don't care, it's one thing to not know. It's one thing to be ignorant, because ignorance can be educated. But that kind of apathy is borderline evil. Because, you know, not caring about the sacrifice that people make in circumstances such as that, it's disturbing. It truly is. And it's one thing to know about it and disagree with it. I mean, you can say, well, I disagree with the, the war. I disagree. I didn't think the war. I don't think the Revolutionary War needed to be fought. I don't think it was appropriate. I don't think that I don't think that it was a good thing, so on and so forth. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But to not care one way or the other about the sacrifice that was made, that's a that's a different kind of thing. Entirely. That's like um, it's like saying you don't care about the World War II veterans who fought and you know tried to liberate the world from tyranny in uh, in Germany and Japan. It's like how can you how can you believe something like that? That's pretty terrible. That's the mark of a pretty terrible human being, and I'm not afraid to say it. But yes, I mean, it's certainly if uh, if we're just uneducated about these things, then that that's that's not a bad thing in and of itself. It just it just needs to be fixed. Um, you know, that once upon a time, I was, I was very uneducated about a lot of these things as well. And reading some books and, and listening to the veterans and listening to people who, uh, who are good historians, uh, fixed a lot of that problem. And we need to, we need to help our, our fellow citizens here in the United States. And, uh, for those folks around the world, you need to help your fellow citizens as well in whatever country you're in to understand these things, to understand the importance of history. Because it all ties in. We're all we're all kind of connected together through history. You go back far enough in history, we all come from basically the same place. 
So we're really all the same people at the end of the day. Fundamentally, we believe different things, we aspire to different things, and we have our disagreements. But fundamentally, as human beings, we're really all just the same people. If you go far enough back in time, I was having a conversation with somebody about that not long ago. Uh, somebody that I know from a different part of the world. And I was contemplating this thought that, you know, ancestors of ours may have been neighbors at one point in time. I mean, I'm from the United States. They are from a different part of the world on the other side of the planet. But you go back far enough, it's entirely possible that, uh, you know, our, our ancestors were neighbors or perhaps related to one another by family. And then thousands and thousands of years go on. People get separated by time. Next thing you know, we're on the other side of the world from each other. But that connection is still there. And that connection is history. And it is very, very important. We must remember those who came before us. And on Memorial Day, we must remember in the United States, those people who fought for this country going all the way back to the beginning. And we must remember them because these people, in, in, in some cases, gave the ultimate sacrifice, and that's no small thing. You may disagree with the war. There's a lot of people who disagree with the Vietnam War. I have my disagreements with the Vietnam War, uh, war as well. But I appreciate those veterans and the integrity that they had and the sacrifice that they made. And it was a big sacrifice because they weren't particularly welcomed back when they came back to the United States after the war. Some were, but many of them, the, you'll, hear the, you'll hear the veterans talk about this, they weren't really that welcome when they came back. That's a sad commentary for the United States. I think we've fixed a lot of those problems since then, but um, just the emotion of that, the, the turmoil that some of those veterans had to go through, it's important to understand it, never forget, so that it never happens again. We have to understand that. Um, and all the other veterans who fought, whether they're alive or whether it was 250 years ago, remember remember every everything that they did, for the most part, you know, within reason, in the ag, you know, in the big picture stuff. So I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of the podcast. This is um this is important discussions. And if you haven't taught if you're a parent out there and you haven't talked to your children about this kind of thing, age appropriate, of course, you know, talk to your children about the wars that the United States has fought and why. Why does the United States fight these wars that we fight? Why were we why were we in Korea, for example? And what's the benefit of that? I mean, cast a glance towards South Korea today and and tell your children those great Korean War veterans from the United States, look at what they did. Look at that country and then look to the north and what it could have been. That absolute nightmare up in the north versus what it is in the south. The United States helped to do that. Not entirely the United States, the South Korean people fought very hard for a long time to accomplish that, both during the war and after. South Korean people deserve a lot of credit for that nation that they have built over there. But it wouldn't be possible without some sacrifice from the folks in the United States as well. Tell your children about that. I, I remember, I've told this story before. I was listening to a Korean War veteran not long ago. It was a few months back. Talk about how they don't, they, they should teach this in school. This was a Korean War veteran saying this because he knew that they just don't teach it anymore. So tell your children that, tell your friends that, or tell your tell tell somebody that. You know, take the opportunity in the next next few weeks to uh, tell somebody a, a good story about the sacrifice of the American soldier as part of our remembrance on Memorial Day and all that we should be thinking about during that time. It doesn't have to be just sad stories about you know some of the the terrible things that happen throughout history. It can be positive things, like I mentioned, like with the Korean War. I mean, there's a lot of really sad stories. There's a lot of difficult stories to be told there, but there's also that positive story to be told as well. You know, that sacrifice did accomplish something. There's there's a whole country over there that's free to chart their course, to chart their destiny, in part because of the, the soldiers from the United States. And there's other examples of that too in Europe. 
and how sometimes, you know, these wars, you know, they, they, they really come full circle. I mean, in the Revolutionary War, obviously, we're going to talk about how France helped the United States. And they did it for, you know, you could say selfish reasons. They, uh, they really just wanted to get back at the British Empire. They, they had been battling back and forth with one another for quite a long time. But they still helped us. I, I don't look, I don't see, I don't look past it just because they did it for selfish reasons. I, I think there was also some folks in France who really did want to see what was going to happen with the United States and this experiment. I think they were interested in it in some in some cases. And then later on in World War One and World War Two, we we helped out France and uh, we helped to uh, repay that uh, that debt, if you can call it that, and uh, see to it that the French people could be free again. And we help each other out. There's just a lot of really great positive stories to be told around the veterans of the United States and these wars that we fought. So don't just think it has to be bad stories or sad stories that you communicate to friends and family or children. A lot of positivity there as well. A lot of really positive stories. Uh, and a lot of it is just the honor and integrity of the the individual soldier, uh, whether it's uh, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, whatever, all the wars. Uh, that we fought. Revolutionary War. Uh, it's all there. So um, thank you for going down this journey with me and an in, in exploration of uh, Memorial Day and why history is important and how that how those two relate to one another. Why it's important to understand history so that you can appreciate more th- days like Memorial Day or Veterans Day or Independence Day. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. I hope this gets you thinking about Memorial Day. And a big thank you uh, if there's any veterans that listen to this uh, this podcast, uh, a big thank you for everything that you do. I've mentioned it before, you know, I, I ha- both my parents were in the United States Army, and I never forget that, and I never forget that they were willing to serve. And because I grew up around the military a little bit, I have a, a, a great fondness for the United States Armed Forces and for those who serve. And I, I just definitely want to say a big thank you to those folks out there who serve in the United States Armed Forces, who continue to... Uh, Make sure that the United States is free. For those of, for those of you who uh, continue to serve and honor your oath to the United States, to the Constitution of the United States more specifically, uh, big thank you. Keep doing what you do. And thank you for the example that you set uh, for the world, uh, for the honor of your conduct and your service. The, the world really does, I think, look to you, uh, the American service member, uh, to set the standard uh, of honor and integrity in many cases, and you do. So again, thank you for joining me on this podcast, everybody. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the podcast. We're going to get back into the letters. I'm going to be uh, getting caught back up on my research, and we're going to have a good time talking about uh, Mr. Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. Great character in history, by the way. Uh, I'm perpetually fascinated by Dr. Franklin. Very curious character, multifaceted, genius, genius. very, very interesting. We're going to read some good letters from, from Dr. Franklin and, and about and written to Dr. Franklin as well. So look forward to that. And with all of that said, this is Roman signing off. Thank you. <laughs>